Well, good morning. I want to invite you to turn with me in a Bible to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read Luke chapter 1. Verses 39 through 56 this morning as we continue our sermon series, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And while you're turning there, you know, it's interesting how uh, bright a, a light can be depending on what your eyes are adjusted to. You know, if you think about that, like if you're in a very dark room for a little while and then the lights come on, it's, it's incredibly bright, right? That's how our eyes work. And this Advent season, we've done things a little differently here at UPC from the way we've decorated the worship center to the way that we've designed our worship services. And um, it's because we've wanted to use this Advent season to let our eyes adjust to the dark, so to speak. So that when the light comes on, when we celebrate the light of Christ at Christmas next week and on Christmas Eve, uh, the light of Christ shines brighter maybe than it has in our lives in a while and has a bigger impact on us as individuals and families and as a church. So next week, as Stephen indicated, uh, it's going to be a big, beautiful Christmas service. And then uh, it'll only, the only brighter part of our season will be Christmas Eve itself. So we're excited about that. And for now, uh, with our eyes still somewhat adjusted to the darkness, we're going to look at why the light of Christ is so beautiful and transforms people uh, as we look at Mary's visit to Elizabeth and uh, her song, the Magnificat. And we'll get a first glimpse of Christ's renewal of all things uh, in this passage. So let's now read Luke 1, 39 through 56. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving word. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what, the, what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in and through your word and by your spirit, and most of all in the person and work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do pray that this Christmas celebration we have ahead of us would be 
a Christmas in which we see the light of Christ shine brighter than ever and that it would impact us deeply and powerfully in the year ahead. So as we continue, Lord, to prepare our hearts for celebrating the birth of Christ, would you minister to us now? Holy Spirit, would you help us to see the glory of Christ in this passage as well as your work in us and through us? And equip us to continue our mission to make disciples, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So back in uh, 2017, there was an artist named Joe Everson who was given a pretty interesting opportunity to demonstrate his artistic and his vocal abilities. Uh, he was invited to sing the national anthem at a Milwaukee Bucks basketball game. And, um, and so he went to do that, but he also was going to be painting. And so he comes out into the middle of the court and begins to sing the national anthem and also begins to start painting on this big canvas in the middle of the court. And so he's singing a few lines and he's painting and he's singing and he's painting. And the national anthem sounds great, but uh, the crowd is wondering what in the world is this guy doing? Because the painting that he's painting doesn't make any sense. You can't tell what it is. It just looks really goofy. And uh, as he continues to sing and puts more paint on the canvas, people are still wondering, what is this guy doing? And then finally, as he finishes the national anthem in song, he ends up flipping the painting upside down. And suddenly everybody realizes that it's this beautiful painting of uh, something people are familiar with. It was a painting of the Marine Corps War Memorial which is that statue of Marines holding up the American flag during the Battle of Iwo Jima. It's a famous statue. And that's, that's what the painting was the whole time. And as soon as he flipped it up, right side up, everybody could see, and the crowd goes wild, and it's this really powerful moment. And, um, you know, in the same way that the crowd was looking at this guy and his painting and wondering what in the world is, is he doing, uh, it's very often that you and I can look at the world and wonder what in the world is God doing. Or what is God doing in the world? And um, as we continue our sermon series now with our eyes somewhat adjusted to the darkness, uh, it, it, what happens is it, 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 we realize that struggle of making sense of the suffering and the sadness in the world. Well, this passage gloriously helps us get a glimpse of this future. A future, a glorious future, uh, when God in Christ will make all things new. When he will flip the painting upside down as it were, and when, and when we will see uh, what God has been doing the whole time, as well as uh, seeing how magnificent, magnificent the Son of God truly is. And so our hope this morning, as we look at this passage, is that we would get a glimpse of the power of the gospel, both to rescue sinners like us, but also to renew a broken and sad world like ours. Our hope is to get a glimpse of the power of the gospel to rescue sinners and renew a broken world like ours. And so we're going to do that by talking about three things. First, there's some foreshadowing in this passage here, so we'll talk about that. And then there's a picture of this flipping that's going to take place, so we'll talk about that. And third, we'll talk about the importance of faithfulness, what God does through our faith. And so those three things, foreshadowing, flipping, and faithfulness. Uh, let's look at verses 39 through 45. Let's talk about foreshadowing. And here's what we want to see in these first few verses. The gospel that rescues sinners and renews society involves the greater 
serving the lesser. Let me make some sense of that. The gospel that rescues sinners and renews society involves the greater serving the lesser. Take a look at verses 39 through 45. And notice that, you know, so the story is continuing now. Mary is pregnant with the Son of God. She makes this journey to see Elizabeth. It's a long journey, probably 70 plus miles, very difficult journey, uh, very dangerous, but she goes all the way there. When she arrives, uh, John the Baptist, as a fetus, recognizes the presence of the Lord and starts jumping for joy in Elizabeth's womb. But one of the things that's so interesting about this encounter is the question that Elizabeth asks in verse 43. Take a look at verse 43. And she says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And... Here's why she asks that question. In her understanding of how things should work, she's thinking, wait a minute, if anybody should be traveling to see the other, if anybody should be going somewhere, it should be her, Elizabeth, going to see Mary. You know, she's inspired by the Holy Spirit here to know that Mary is pregnant with uh, the Son of God, with her Lord. That's why she refers to her Lord uh, as being in Mary's womb. And and she's operating according to the way things worked back then and the way things kind of really still work very much today in most cultures. And that is the idea that the lesser is supposed to serve the greater. The lesser is supposed to serve the greater. But here, Elizabeth is confused because the greater, the one carrying the very Son of God, is coming to the lesser. And Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist. But the Son of God is far greater. And so it's this picture, this confusing picture of the greater coming to the lesser, the greater serving the lesser. And really what this is indicative of is seeing the way Christ impacts the world. In fact, one author uh, says that with the coming of Christ, social conventions will be turned on their head. The greater will serve the lesser. And that's what we're seeing here in this moment. And it's this foreshadowing of what Christ does. And it really goes against what we normally think, right? If you think about it, like even in our society society today, we we think that the lesser serves the greater, right? People uh, with high status are served by people with lower status, or people with uh, political power are served by people with no power, or people with wealth get served by people who are poor. But it's so important that we understand here, the very heart of the gospel is a reversal of that. And not the lesser serving the greater, but the greater serving the lesser, the greater coming to the lesser. I mean, ultimately, the good news of the gospel is that the greater God Almighty himself, who's holy and perfect and pure, does not force us, require us to somehow make our way, the lesser make our way to him, but rather the greater comes to us in Christ. The greater serves the lesser. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so the the heart of the gospel is this reversal of the way things work here. Instead of the lesser serving the greater, the greater comes to serve the lesser. And that matters for us as sinners because we know that the greater has come to save the lesser so that we might be forgiven and declared righteous through faith alone. But it also helps us understand how society is changed by the gospel and by the coming of Christ. And when more and more people bow to Christ, suddenly the greater is able to serve the lesser all over the place. And this idea 
that the lesser is supposed to serve the greater, one day will be a complete thing of the past. I mean, we'll look back on it and think, I can't believe we used to think that. I was, you know, reading, and this author was talking about how he was in a class, and the professor wanted to show just how, uh, in the past, we've done things that now we look back and we're like, what in the world were they thinking? And he shows a video of open heart surgery in the 1950s. And as the students are looking at this uh, open heart surgery, there's all this white stuff that they've put around the heart. And he says, do you know what the heart, or do you know what the white stuff around the heart is? And the students are saying no. And, and then he tells them, he says, well, it's asbestos. Right? And everybody gasps, thinking, what, what are you talking about? You've got to be kidding me. And absolutely, it's true. You can look it up. That was one of the ways that uh, open heart surgery was performed, by putting asbestos around the heart. Now, unfortunately, uh, most of the people administered asbestos died. So they stopped that, as you might imagine. And now we look back and we say, what in the world were they thinking? And this idea that the lesser serves the greater is so ingrained in us that it's hard to even realize that God has chosen to serve us. The greater has chosen to serve the lesser. And when the kingdom comes in full, we'll look back on that idea that the lesser serves the greater and we'll say, I can't believe we ever thought that. Isn't that amazing? And, and even now, though, as we trust in Christ, the greater who has come to serve the lesser, it transforms who we are. And it enables us to be people who, if we have any status whatsoever, we use it to bless those who are unknown. If we have any power whatsoever, we're able to use it for the powerless. If we have any wealth whatsoever, we're able to help those who are poor. Because our God has shown us in Christ that the greater is to serve the lesser. How different would the world be if everyone with any type of greatness used it to serve those who are in need? It would be a different world, wouldn't it? Well, we see this foreshadowing in in, in seeing the greater coming to the lesser here. But we also see a flipping. Look at Mary's song, the Magnificat, it's called, in verses 46 through 55. And there's a flip. God's going to flip things. And what we have to understand is that a significant aspect of renewal or how God's renewing all things is this promise to exalt the humble and humble the exalted. God is going to flip things. He's going to exalt the humble and humble the exalted. And basically that's the the main, main point here of Mary's song. One of the things that we should recognize about the Magnificat is Mary knew her Bible. She knew her Bible really well. In fact, in the Magnificat, there are quotes or allusions to Genesis, Deuteronomy, First and Second Samuel, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. It's amazing. And what she's doing is she's speaking sort of reminiscently of what God has done for his people in the past. God has exalted the humble and he's humbled the exalted. And Mary sees the incarnation. She sees the coming of the Son of God and being in her womb as proof that God is who he's always been. And God will do what he's always done. And so she's celebrating here that God is one who exalts the humble. Look at verses 46 through 50, the first part. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. In other words, he's looked on me, she's saying. I'm this humble person. I'm insignificant, yet he has looked upon me. He's cared for me. Uh, For behold, she says, from now on all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me. See, there it is. The greater is serving the lesser. With his strength, he's doing great things for her. And holy is his name, she says. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. As those who are humble before him, those are the ones who receive his mercy, she's saying. In 52, she'll get expansive and show that God has exalted many in their humble estate, not just her. In 53, she'll talk about God's giving of, of, of good things to the hungry. In 54 and 55, she'll talk about his help of his people, him remembering his mercy, keeping his promises. And she's saying all things because of the baby in her womb. She's saying all these things uh, because she believes that God has done these things and he will do these things. This baby in her womb, this Christ child, is, is confirming in her that God cares for the humble, for the lowly, for the poor, for the marginalized. And that he's not forgotten any of his people, no matter what estate they are in. And that he will, as he's done in the past, do in the future, he will exalt those who are humble. In seeing, you know, God's care for the poor and the marginalized. This is why we care. This is why we labor to minister to those who are poor and marginalized among us and near us. She's worshiping this God who promises to exalt those who are humble before him. But this God will also humble those who are now exalted. He will humble those who are exalted. Notice in 51, she talks about how he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. That word proud could also be translated arrogant. It's like she's referring to people who have this special status in their mind, but they're using that status for their own gain and not for the benefit of others. And God is going to take that away. In fact, that word scattered, it's so interesting. It also it has a nuance of wasting. It's like people who, who spend all their time trying to build their own status, God will waste it all. And he's uh, going to bring down the mighty. Look at verse 52. That word mighty can also be translated as ruler. So she's talking about oppressive rulers. She's talking about how God has always taken down people who are using power to oppress others. And it's, it's, a, it's a celebration uh, that the fact that he will do that. But it's also a warning. Those who use power to oppress others, God will take them down, make them powerless. In fact, the word he uses uh, makes it clear that they will be powerless like that of a dead body. And rich, uh, she says in verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. She's talking about how uh, people who have uh, seen wealth as something that's only for them. And they've sought to build more and more wealth just for them. All that will be taken away. They will be left empty. And there's this great flipping that has happened and will happen and will ultimately happen at the return of Christ. Those who are humble through faith in Christ will be exalted. And those who are exalted now but reject the good news of the gospel will be humbled beyond their wildest imagination. You know, what's interesting about this is this really does speak to something that's in the human heart because all oppressed cultures throughout history have these certain tales. Uh, historians call them trickster tales. Uh, different oppressed cultures would, would tell stories that involve this, this reversal like this. It's something that's uh, in our, all of our hearts. In fact, uh, American slaves used to tell the stories about Br'er Rabbit. You might have heard that 
word, that name, but you didn't, maybe didn't know. It, was, it came about uh, American slaves would tell Br'er Rabbit stories. Here's one they would tell. They would tell of when Br'er Rabbit uh, fell into a well. And he knows that his oppressor, the, his enemy, the wolf, is nearby. So he doesn't yell, help, help. Instead, he starts singing and whistling. And that causes the wolf to come over and sort of look down into the well. And that's when Br'er Rabbit says, hey, get out of here. There's, there's not room for two down here. It's really hot and sticky up there, but it's actually quite comfortable down here. So, so don't you get into that bucket and come down here. And then, of course, the wolf is too curious, and so he hops in the bucket. And as the story goes, the wolf is going down in the bucket, and the rope is going up, so Br'er Rabbit grabs the rope. And as they pass each other, the wolf going down, the rabbit, Br'er Rabbit going up, he said, well, that's life. Some go up and some go down. But in that story, then, how does the story end? The one, the oppressor who was there uh, oppressing him is now in the bottom of the well, and the one who was in the bottom of the well is now free. And that type of idea, that mentality, is in all of our hearts. We, we, we want to be exalted. We don't want others to be exalted. And here's why that is. Because deep down, we know that there's really only one person who should be exalted. And that is God himself. God is the only one who should be exalted. And when he is exalted and everyone else is humbled, that's when society is transformed. And, and God is promising this big flipping so that you and I can realize that what to do now is to choose to be humble, to humble ourselves before him, to trust in him, to exalt him and him alone, that we might live for his glory and in the ways that actually bring about this renewal of society. Jesus taught this explicitly, Luke 1411, he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. James 410 says the same thing. And again, it's, it's all about faith. It's, it's believing that now is the time for us to be humble, to humble ourselves, no matter what estate God has put us in in this life. And not even to be the first. Because the Son of God came. The Son of God is the ultimate person who has humbled himself and then been exalted, right? The Son of God who is exalted on high, equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, humbles himself to come to earth to take on human nature, to suffer and to die, and then to rise again and be completely exalted in the resurrection. And that's what this is a call to. This is a call to all of us to humble ourselves now, believing we will be exalted just like our King. You know, it's important that we recognize that some people throughout history have kind of made Mary's song out to be some sort of call to rise up, that the poor or the lowly should rise up. That is absolutely, if you really look at it, that's not what she's saying at all. She's not talking about what human beings do. She's talking about what God does. It's not a call to rise up. It's a call for everybody to bow down. Because when everybody is bowed to the one who deserves to be exalted, that's when society gets put right. That's when the greater serves the lesser. And this flipping, this ultimate flipping will happen ultimately at the return of Christ, but it even happens now as you and I exercise faith and operate with something 
completely different than anybody else in the world can operate with. So lastly, let's talk about faithfulness. And I want you to notice something, not only in this passage, but uh, we have seen the Holy Spirit uh, a few times so far in Luke's gospel. And what I want to finish with is talking about how faith is the means through which the Holy Spirit empowers us, not only to trust God, but then also to live in these society-renewing ways. It's through our faith, if you have faith and you have the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit is within you, we have power to live very differently. If you uh, notice the prevalence of the Holy Spirit, John, or Luke starts his gospel by first talking about how the Holy Spirit would be in John the Baptist in chapter 1, verse 15. We saw that. Uh, we saw the Holy Spirit would be there at the conception, uh, virgin conception, chapter 1, verse 35. And here in this verse as well, uh, verse 41 says that uh, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. We just have to recognize just how active and important the Holy Spirit is in the coming of Christ as well as in the future. And we have to think about all the, you know, there's a lot of efforts in the world to make the world a better place, right? There's a whole lot of efforts of people trying to make the world a better place. Well, here's the thing. No human effort, no human effort will ever make the world a better place because all human efforts are led by humans who are flawed, who are sinned, or sinners, who, who do not know what is actually truly right or wrong. And, and, and all human-led efforts to change things lack supernatural power. But we who trust in Christ, we have this power. God has revealed to us that we're not alone. That we are, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to empower us, to lead us, to guide us, to show His truth and to strengthen us. That's how and why you and I, normal, ordinary people, humble people, can be used in such powerful ways through the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we believe that, as we believe we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, uh, it enables us to live differently. And as we live differently in these society-renewing ways, we see things change. I mean, think about the song, Joy to the World, where we sing, He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. And this is a time for you and I to be praying and asking God to help us to know the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, choose to exalt God alone. To choose to believe He is in the process of making things right. To choose to believe that as He is exalted and we are humbled, that's how society begins to be affected. We want to be a people who rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to both say and show with our lives just how magnificent this God is who exalts the humble and humbles the exalted. And that's exactly what Mary does in the beginning of her song. Look at verse 46. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord. And what's so powerful about that is that word magnify means to either say that something is magnificent or show that something is magnificent and so what she's doing here is he's showing us that she knows uh, through her faith and through the work of the holy spirit that her soul her life is now saying 
and showing the world that God is magnificent. And she knows that as he is exalted, those who humbly believe will also be exalted. Those who don't will be humbled. But she knows and we must know that the more we live lives through faith and through relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to exalt God, the more we do that, the more the light of Christ is seen in this world. The more we say and we show that God is magnificent. Here she says that her life is saying, her life is showing. And the same is true for you and I as we believe and as we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, some of us probably have some Christmas lights up. You know, usually there's a few houses in the neighborhood where there's nothing. Uh, Maybe there's a few houses where there's like one thing in the window. Maybe there's a few houses that have a few different strands. Um... I, I found out about a house that people come to see this house from, from all around. It's got unbelievable amounts of lights. It's fully computer automated. This person has 130 strings of lights on their house. Uh, they also have three lighted wreaths, 28 lighted snowflakes, a bunch of sets of rope lights, even a lighted train. Uh, I'm not sure if you can ride it. I hope so. Uh, and in fact, uh, this guy says that he has just over 16 thousand lights lit up when his house is in full swing now here's what he also says he also is he says he's asked regularly uh, how much more does it cost you uh, during this season and interestingly enough he says that the way it's automated uh, usually not every light is on at the same time and it's actually not much more expensive than normal so if you've been wanting to do that it's not that expensive so now you know but i want you to think about that for a second because it's the same amount of power so to speak that powers one or two lights or one or two strands, which that'll make a difference. That'll, that'll show up. But that same amount of power, when it's powering all 16,000, I mean, it is absolutely stunning. It's absolutely amazing. It lights up the entire neighborhood. And you and I, who trust in Christ, who believe that we've been forgiven of our sins, are now able to humbly bow before this God, and to trust that the Holy Spirit is in us so that we can shine and show the light of Christ, so that we can live using any greatness we may ever be blessed with to serve those who in God's providence may be lesser in the eyes of the world. I mean, this is an incredible thing that we can own and know and experience And what if this Christmas was a Christmas in which we believed even more deeply that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to liberate us from the things that cause us not to be loving and serving those in need. And instead we become even more intent on using any greatness we might have to serve those around us in need. You know, for the non-believer, this is such an important passage to see that, that if you bow now and trust the Lord, you will be exalted. If you don't, then you will be humbled But for the believer, it's a choice to bow even deeper before God, to plead with him to continue to fill us with the Holy Spirit, to exalt God more and more and more as we seek to make more and more disciples and then watch the light, every single person that trusts Christ, more and more light in the world and watch that beautiful light shine. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to...
believe in the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Holy Spirit, would you help us to really believe that you are within us, that you are with us to give us power, to lead us, to show us Christ and to empower us not only to believe the good news of the gospel, but then to live it out. Would you help us to shine? Would you help us, Lord, to show and to say with our lives that God is magnificent and that he's making all things new in Christ and that he's even graciously involving us even now. We pray these things for your glory and our joy in Jesus' name. Amen. It's at this point when we're going to collect our annual Christmas offering. And um, if you're a guest with us, please just hang out. Um, This is for those of us who are regular attenders and members of this church. And um, this Christmas offering that people will be giving to today is a very important part of how we fund the various ministries of this church, from our children's ministry to our youth ministry to our college ministry uh, to our young adults and our adult ministries, our community groups, our various ministries of mercy in which through which we reach out to our community. Um, I just was hearing the other day that there's three new children uh, in Transformers Club, uh, a club for children who... Don't get as much love and attention as they deserve. And here, now they are. And it's just amazing. Uh, I get excited about all the different things Michael, Pastor Michael is doing with community groups and all the plans he has for our community groups. I'm getting very excited. I hope you are too about the, the camp that is going to be launched by our children's ministry this summer. Hopefully enabling us to uh, minister to just bunches and bunches of unchurched families in the area. God is at work here. God is doing really special and wonderful things to advance the gospel in word and deed so that more and more people do hear the glorious good news of the gospel and not only find salvation through faith in Christ but then become part of what God is doing. And so that's what this is about. This is about you and I as members and regular attenders of this church saying that we're going to give, we're going to trust God and give courageously so that from a human perspective, we're doing our part. We're funding all these ministries through which God is working. And so in a moment, I'll invite you to give. Let me tell you the ways that you can give. Some of you have already given online. Um, some of you might want to give this morning through the envelopes that are, I believe are in the seat back pockets uh, by, with cash or check. You can do that uh, by bringing it forward in a moment and putting it in these baskets. Uh, you, if you want to use a debit or credit card, there's two stations, one at each window, um, and uh, they will be more than happy there to let you use your credit card. Or if you want to be super techie, you can text the word JOY to 407-984-4880, and that will walk you, give you a link to walk you through how you can give right from your seat. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray about this offering, and then I'll invite you to go ahead and give in whatever fashion you Uh, choose. And then we will sing and close the service. So let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for all the ways you have been at work in this church and that you will be at work in this church. I thank you, Lord, that you've given 
us freedom to be generous because you have proven to us time and again that you always provide. Father, we do pray that the money given today would indeed fund ministries and that those ministries would introduce people to the gospel and that through those ministries and through those introductions to the gospel we will see people come to Christ in faith, see them forgiven of all their sins, declared righteous. We pray that through these ministries as well people will be formed in their faith, they will grow in discipleship, experiencing the power of the gospel to liberate them from sin and to fill them with joy. Uh, We pray that these ministries will help us all remember that Christ will return to make all things new and that we would partner with that renewal even now. And so, Lord, we pray also that people would give out of... We know you love a cheerful giver. We pray everybody would be joyfully giving this morning, that no one would give out of guilt, but rather just out of the overflow of joy in their heart over who you are and what you've done and what you're doing in this church. And so with great expectation for how you will use this special Christmas offering, Lord, we humbly ask you to be with us now as we give and in the year ahead as we seek to benefit from and Utilize these ministries for your glory and for our joy and for the advance of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.